Hey everybody, you're listening to the Clearer Thinking Podcast from Grace Valley Church in Dundas. I'm your host, Paul Vandenbrink, the lead pastor of Grace Valley Church. Thanks for listening. All right, guys. On this week's episode, I thought I'd talk a little bit about the Ten Commandments. Now, I grew up going to church every Sunday, and every Sunday at the church I grew up, the minister read the Ten Commandments to the church as part of the church service, usually from Exodus 20. And to this day, I can still recite them from memory, and it's actually pretty cool. You know how it starts, eh? It starts with, God spoke all these words. Now, think back to Exodus 19. There, God has come down to Mount Sinai to visit his people. And in Exodus 19, Moses is running up and down the mountain with messages for God's people. Moses runs up, God speaks. Moses runs down, gives the message. But this is different. By the end of Exodus 19, Moses stops talking and God starts. God says, step aside, Moses. I'm talking straight to the people. And that's, that's very interesting because, you know, in the Old Testament, God speaks to individuals occasionally, but never to all his people at once. But this time, he does. Why? Well, it's because he's stressing that this law that is being given is not Moses' law, Moses' will, and it's not human tradition. This is God's own will. This is how God, the creator of the universe, our maker, our designer, has called us to live. And the whole of the Ten Commandments is a summary of how we're supposed to live in God's world. And of course, there's a lot that can be said about the Ten Commandments. Actually, Mark has done a great job of walking through them in his videos on the New City Catechism. So what I thought I'd do is just talk actually about the very first commandment. The reason being that the first commandment, you could say, is the main commandment. It's the central commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. This is the command from which every other command of God springs. You shall have no other God before me. Um, when he was asked what the most important commandment was, Jesus actually pointed to this one. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Um, and then he said, there's no commandment greater. Now, he was quoting Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, but scholars agree that the command, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, is actually a reiteration of Exodus 20, verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. So the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, begin with the most important command. And if that's the case, we would do well to pay very close attention to it. Why is it the first command? Why is that command so important? It's only eight words long. But in those eight words, God sums up the story of the whole Bible. That story is the struggle between true faith and idolatry. It's not the only way to summarize the story of the Bible. I understand that but it's definitely a huge way, a huge one. It's a main one. The struggle between faith, true faith, and idolatry. In Genesis 1, the beginning of the story, we learn that Adam and Eve were created, one, to worship and to serve God, and two, 
to rule over the created order in God's name. We learn in Genesis 3 that Adam and Eve fell. Now, when the Apostle Paul in Romans 1 describes the fall of humanity into sin, he does it this way. Very interesting. Romans 1 verse 25, he says, They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. So notice what Paul says happened. He says humanity, in effect, reversed the created order. They were made to worship God, but instead they started worshiping the creation. And as a result, though humanity was created to rule over creation, the opposite happened. Rather than rule over the created order, human beings began to serve things in the created order. The whole structure and direction of creation was twisted by the fall. And the reason for this twisting, says Paul, is idolatry. Idolatry is at the heart of all the problems we face. And lo and behold, the first commandment is a warning against the sin of idolatry. You shall have no other gods before me. Think with me for a minute about this commandment. We may not see it at first, but it's, it's really quite a shocking statement because we need to remember the context. All ancient Near Eastern cultures at the time were what's called polytheistic. That means they believed that there were many, many gods. Everybody had different gods that they worshipped. And it was natural for people to assume that you would worship many different gods because all these gods had their area of expertise. Each nation had its main god, but then they had other gods too. So, for example, Egypt worshipped Ra, the sun god. That was their main god. But then they also worshipped gods of rain and fertility and war, etc. And they weren't alone. Everybody was doing that ensuring that their God was satisfied so that their lives would go well. So, for example, there's no rain. Well, the rain God must be angry. I better appease him. Or your livestock's dying, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, the God of fertility needs some attention. People believed that there was a spiritual realm behind the physical realm that needed constant attention. And Israel was doing the very same thing. Over the 400 years that they spent in Egypt, they actually became polytheistic. Uh, Later on in the Old Testament, in the prophets, Ezekiel, he says this in chapter 20, Each of you get rid of the vile images you have set your eyes on and do not defile yourselves with the idols of Egypt. So what God commands in the first law is actually unprecedented in the known world at the time. Anthropologists call this actually pretty much the greatest innovation of the Jewish people. They, I mean, this is anthropologists, of course, so, you know, they're not necessarily thinking about this through a Christian religious uh, framework. They say that Jewish people, they invented monotheism, the idea that there was only one God. And God says, don't worship any other gods. Your devotion is to be to me and me alone. He's not like other gods. He's not local. He's not even regional. He is universal. He's everywhere. Now, at this point, maybe you're thinking, well, duh, of course, you're supposed to worship God alone. There's no such thing as other gods. Ra, Baal, Asherah, Molech, Dagon, all these Old Testament gods we hear about. They don't exist anyway. And you're right. 
God alone is God. Isaiah 45 verse 21 says, There is no God apart from me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none but me. Paul echoes those words in 1 Corinthians 8 when he says, We know that an idol is nothing and there is no God but one. There are no gods. They just don't exist. And yet, God calls us in this commandment to be on guard against other gods as though they do exist. So how do we square that? Well, at this point, uh, the Heidelberg Catechism, a 16th century Reformed confession, helps shed some light on this issue. It actually asks the question, what is idolatry? And here's the answer it gives. Having or inventing something in which one trusts in place of or alongside of the only true God who has revealed himself in his word. So it's true that there are no other gods in existence but the God of the Bible, but that does not stop us from inventing other gods in our lives. The Bible teaches that we are by nature worshiping beings. We were created to put our trust in something for security, for identity. We're designed to enter into a relationship, a covenant, an agreement with whatever most captures our imagination and heart. And so we make our ultimate allegiance to something that has to be the integrative center of our lives. I'm just going to paraphrase Jesus. We will love something with all of our heart, all our mind, and all our strength. And whatever that thing is, it will drive us, it will rule us, it will order us around. In ancient cultures, people gave their ultimate allegiance to various gods. So they worshipped Molech, for example, a god of war. Uh, And they trusted in that god for their national safety and prosperity. But when they got in trouble, like let's say a foreign nation came and attacked them, they would make sacrifices to this god Moloch. And the more serious the problem that they were facing, the bigger the sacrifice they would make to the point where ancient peoples actually sacrificed their children alive in fire to this god Molech. Now in our culture... People don't do that, generally. (laughs) But that makes us no less idolaters. An idol is anything you set set your heart on as ultimate in your life. And whatever that thing is that has captured your heart will control you. You ever hear the song, The Cats in the Cradle by Harry Chapin? What's that song about? I know, it's an old song. (laughs) Um... If you've never heard of it, Google it sometime uh, or put it on YouTube and and read the lyrics as you listen to the song. It's about a man who worships his work. And what does he do? He basically sacrifices his son or at least a relationship with his son on the altar of his God, work. Just as an aside, it's amazing how many men cry when they listen to the song because it, it, it seems to totally hit home to them. Anyhow, God says, have no other gods before me. Now, that's a curious phrase. No other gods before me. Literally, it means before my face. And again, the Heidelberg Catechism is helpful in in us understanding it. It says that we should not worship anything instead of God or in place of God. This is what we just talked about. There should be no ultimate allegiance outside of God. But it also says 
that we should not worship anything alongside of God. And this is the insight I want to highlight for Christians in particular. You see, Christians would say, yeah, I don't worship anything other than God. But we can worship things alongside of God. It's possible for us to have divided loyalties. We can have hierarchies in our, in our hearts. We say, well, I trust God first and foremost. Yes, I worship him above every, anything else. But, and God is my ultimate source of security, ultimate source of significance. But I also trust somewhat in other things, like money, for example. So we think if I'm financially secure, I'm okay. If there's enough money to pay all my bills or there's enough in the pension fund or whatever, then I'll be all right. So we believe in God. We're believers. We're Christians. But we have divided loyalties. And God says, when he says, you shall have no other gods before me, he says he will brook no rival. We must trust in nothing, put our hope in nothing but God alone. Jesus says the very same thing when he says you cannot serve God and mammon, money, at the same time. He's not saying money is bad. He's saying trusting in money is bad. And it is impossible to trust in God and something else at the same time. Here's what this means, friends. It means that at the root of every sin, every sin that we commit, underneath it is idolatry. The Bible doesn't consider idolatry to be just one sin among many sins. No. The only alternative to true faith in God, absolute true faith in God, in the God of the Bible alone, is idolatry. And that's why Martin Luther said that when you commit any sin, when you break any of the Ten Commandments, you've already broken the first commandment first. You've committed idolatry. You've decided to put your trust in something other than God, even if just briefly. Well, what do we do with all of that? I, you know what? I'm going to keep things simple. I'm going to leave you with this in light of, the, of all I've just said. At the very end of his first letter, John closes that letter with these words. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. It's quite striking. He ends his letter with that one simple instruction. But it shows how pernicious idolatry is. It's dangerous and it's subtle. Christians may believe in God, but as Calvin, John Calvin said, the human heart is an idol factory. And we need to be on guard for ways we are giving ourselves to things alongside God. Things that ultimately want to rule us. And as Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. Well, that's it for this week's episode, my friends. I hope you enjoyed it. And we'll talk to you again next time.